The Archdiocese of Chicago is a vibrant and diverse faith community. We celebrate our faith through worship, evangelization, and reaching out to the needy. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. and welcome to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and we are delighted to be here with you again this morning, broadcasting from the brand new Francis Cardinal George Studio at the Archdiocese of Chicago. This studio was made possible through a generous donation from Mr. Terry Shin and his late wife, Catherine. And we at Catholic Charities are honored to be among the ministries of the Archdiocese of Chicago that are sharing their stories through the state-of-the-art studio. The Voice of Charity welcomes everyone who is listening on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. here in Chicago, and all who are watching our live stream on YouTube and Facebook at Catholic Chicago. As we've discussed here on The Voice of Charity before, Catholic Charity's Behavioral Health Services does an outstanding job of helping individuals, couples, and families deal with a wide range of mental health concerns. Catholic Charity staff members who work in our counseling programs are compassionate, experienced professionals who last year accompanied 2,400 adults and children on their journey toward healing and wellness. What you may not know is that Catholic Charity's behavioral health services have evolved quite a bit over the years. And here to describe that evolution are two skilled, highly respected behavioral health directors who have each devoted more than 30 years to this vital work at Catholic Charities. Welcome Pam Davis and Hector Rivera. Thank, Thank you. you. So delighted to have you here with us this morning. It really is a privilege to speak with both of you here today. Together, you have over 60 years of experience working with people who come to Catholic Charities for assistance with their mental health concerns. Can I ask you each to please share with our audience how you first got involved with Catholic Charities? Pam, may I start with you? Absolutely. Um, I was a year out of college when I moved to Chicago from out of state. My previous experience had been working in a nursing home as a social worker. So when I moved to Chicago, I wanted to work with seniors. I wanted to continue that work, but maybe prevent the need for um, nursing home care. So this was before the internet. And what I had to do was go to the Blue Book, as it was called, which is the Directory of Human Service Organizations. And from that book, I was able to identify organizations that serve seniors, and I blindly sent my resume to many of them, and was my amazing good fortune that I got a call from Catholic Charities, and then shortly after was offered a job. And here I am, 32 years later, I never could have imagined that this would lead to a, such a fulfilling and amazing career. Well, Catholic Charities is the lucky one, I think. No, um, how about it. you, Hector? How did you first start with Catholic Charities? So I uh, majored in social work for an undergrad and needed an internship, and I did my internship with Catholic Charities. And as soon as I graduated, they offered me a position as a caseworker. So I worked with them for three years in their foster care department. They actually, at the time, really encouraged and subsidized uh, pursuing a higher education. So I returned uh, to school to receive my master's in social work and um, returned, worked in case, as a caseworker for a very brief moment, 
and then became a therapist. And then over time, um, I moved into a supervisor uh, position. So Catholic Charities has been so grateful that they've um, really supported my education and career. Well, you've done tremendous things at Catholic Charities. We're so fortunate to have you both in these key leadership positions. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about what, were, what were, was the behavioral services department like when you first started, Pam? When I first started, behavioral health as we know it today didn't exist as it was. It was um, lots of, it was spread throughout the agency. So for example, after I worked with seniors, I went back to school. I had great generous support from the agency as well. I got my master's degree. And when I came back, I was a counselor in family and aged services, which was a program that worked with economically disadvantaged families that were facing barriers um, to becoming self-sufficient. They did not have a way to pay for services, and we provided comprehensive, holistic case management and counseling services to them. And then there was a sister program that provided counseling services to people who were um, who did have more resources, who had insurance, and could pay for services. And that was more traditionally office-based, whereas Family and Aged was providing services that were community-based. And, and Hector, you had mentioned uh, working with foster children. Was that a significant portion of the behavioral health services department at, when you first started? Yeah, so when I, when I started at, at Catholic Charities, there was no behavioral health services. We were mostly sending referrals outside of the agency to other um, counseling programs. Very little, very little time did we refer internally. It wasn't until I came back from school after receiving my ma master's degree that the foster care contract increased and they were able to build internally a counsel counseling services for youth and their parents and families who were involved in the child welfare system. Well, and I'm guessing too that, that the expansion of behavioral health services, you know, part of that is, is uh, so important to the, to the growth of the family, right? That when, you, when they see progress from a behavioral services standpoint, relieving people's mental health concerns, then, then they have a uh, you know, much more positive, clear thinking mind to improve, improve other aspects of their life. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, and so uh, are there any events or milestones um, in the history of Catholic Charities that are especially memorable to you, both of you, who have, who have been with Catholic Charities for more than 30 years, both in the growth of your department and the agency overall? I'd like to start with some external changes and factors that impacted behavioral health treatment in the country and then certainly at Catholic Charities. And one of those, was, the first one was the Mental Health Parity Act in 1996 that Created, required insurance companies to provide behavioral health services at the same rates as um, they paid for medical care. And then that, that act was also um, tweaked in the early 2000s. And then a couple years later in 2010, we had the Affordable Care Act, which required all Americans to have health insurance and also to um, allowed the states to expand Medicare, Medicaid, excuse me. So, so many more people in this country had access to health insurance and were able to um, access mental health services. Well, and it was just a growing awareness of how unbelievably important mental health is to, to someone's overall well-being, right, Hector? You're, yes, yeah. in fact, um, when foster care closed, Catholic Charities maintained the counseling portion of foster care. Uh, because they knew how important it was. So at that point, we were able to start 
putting up other systems and gaining other contracts where we were able to work with more with more children. Um, and then eventually, um, in 2017, 2016, we started expanding with grants and contracts, not only with youth, but families and also with adults. Um, and then, um, Pam mostly worked with the with adults um, who needed behavioral health services. I worked mostly with youth. And then a couple years ago, Catholic Charities decided that it was a better idea, which was a lot more logical, to bring us all together. Um, this way we can use all of our staff to work with all age ranges. And are there any events or milestones in your career, Hector, that, that you also feel were significant to the growth of the behavioral health services impact area, but also just to the growth of the agency? Any specific things come to mind? Um, I, again, I think it was being able to tap into more grants that really was focused on hel helping um, children um, and adults who were victims of crime. Um, that was part of it. Um, I think Pam also did point out a lot of the societal um, things that were happening as well that, that, that added to those changes. I, I would add the pandemic really oh. Oh, yes. changed um, behavioral health services it, because of what everybody was going through during the lockdown and then the focus that on social and health inequities, it became, the stigma was reduced and it made it easier for people to ask for health. And then also during the COVID emergency, a lot of federal and state laws were changed to offer flexibilities in providing care. And that is how we ended up doing so much telehealth. And now that's a permanent thing that's available to people. So it makes it so much easier for people to access services. Well, in telehealth, like you said, it was one of those things that, that uh, people might have been a little bit reticent you know, to try before, but the mm -hmm. pandemic kind of forced it. And Absolutely. people saw the advantages of being able to log into a session right from the comfort of their own home. Mm -hmm. And people are so busy today, it probably saved time and, mm -hmm. and an effort and made the whole process of engaging with people much easier, right? Absolutely. It's a huge, it was a game changer for yeah. people who needed services. That's wonderful. get them before. That's wonderful. And, and I I know that you, you each probably have so many hundreds of stories of, of clients that have, you know, uh, left a lasting impact on you. You know, are there one or two that each of you could share that, that would help our audience really appreciate uh, the, the range of concerns that people come to Catholic Charities with, but also how you've been able to help them? Pam, can I start with you? Yeah, sure. I'm, it's honestly, it's really hard to choose one. I've been just the privilege to walk through and accompany, as you said earlier, our clients through some of the darkest times of their life. I have learned from each of them and I have grown and I hope I've given them just some of the same. I'm sure, I am quite sure I, I you just, have. You're yeah. such an experienced, compassionate person that I, I think that anybody who walks into a, a room and, and sees you or walks onto telehealth and sees <laughs> you is a very lucky person indeed. Um, how about you, Hector? I may echo Pam on that. It's so hard to really pinpoint one um, story or just a couple stories, but there's so many. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned from working with all of our clients, both youth and adults, is just how resilient humans can be after experiencing so many difficulties and traumas in their life, and that they're able to still find joy. Um, you know, and bring that joy into the sessions. Like, like Pam said, it's been such a privilege to be able to work with so many people and colleagues as well. 
and but I also think a, um, a big part of the success of what you do is your gentle but effective professional way of helping people talk about what they've been through, right? Because isn't that part of a big hurdle that, that just getting people to open up and be comfortable sharing what they experienced and what they're feeling um, mm -hmm. is probably a big part of what you do, right? Absolutely. Building the relationship is pivotal. If we don't have a relationship, it's hard to, to help facilitate the healing. And so just building that relationship could take weeks or months in itself, right, Hector? Very much so, yes. I think that's one thing that with working with uh, youth who have experienced multiple um, exp negative traumatic experiences that trust is so important that it can. I mean, there, are, there have been clients that it's almost taken a year to build that trust yeah. to get to the, to the essential work that they need uh, to continue coping and become successful in life. Well, it's vitally important, fascinating work that you do. Um, and, you know, you've, you, we've shared some about uh, the, your early years with Catholic Charities. And, you know, if you'll please bear with us, we're going to take a break here on The Voice of Charity. And, and when we continue, we're going to con continue our conversation with Hector Rivera and Pam Davis about Catholic Charities Behavioral Health Services and uh, the goals for the program now and uh, how they help people overcome a wide variety of mental health concerns. Thank you for being with us and please stay tuned. Catholic Charities Loss Program was created more than 40 years ago to help survivors of suicide wherever they are in the grieving process. This nationally recognized program continues to offer a safe, non-judgmental environment where survivors of suicide can find community, direction, and resources for healing after suffering the devastating loss of a loved one. Online and in-person services are available for individuals, couples, children, and families of all faith traditions. To learn more, call 312-655-7283 or email loss at catholiccharities.net. Don't suffer alone. We are here to offer loving outreach to survivors of suicide. Contact Catholic Charities today. say, how can you spend your day with three-year-olds? Seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow, this is a very rewarding job. Even though at the end of the day, we're not the highest paid people on earth. And when I have a parent contact me and say, my child loves school, that to me, I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning. Because really you are changing lives. You are molding lives. Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. 
Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible, free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. Welcome back to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and it's my great pleasure to be here today with Hector Rivera and Pam Davis, two directors in Catholic Charities Behavioral Services Department. And we're talking about the evolution of this behavioral health services area and also uh, where the program is today. And so I wonder, like before the break, we were talking about how resilient that the, the Catholic Charities clients are and how um, much you actually admire their courage as they're trying to deal with their different mental health concerns. But, you know, I wonder if you could sort of summarize for our audience what the main goals are uh, right today of the behavioral services area. Pam, can sure, I ask I can you to that, answer that? Katie. Absolutely. As Hector mentioned, we merged our child and youth and our adult programs about a year and a half ago. And since then, our, for, we really want to continue to increase and support a workforce that can provide services and meet the demand throughout Cook and Lake County and throughout the lifespan. So that's been a big focus of ours for the last year and a half and continues to be. Also, um, we want to create an intake system that is, um, we want to enhance our intake system, I should say, because we want it to be quicker and easier for our clients so that they can start ser services as soon as possible. So that's something we're starting to really focus a lot on. And lastly is we want everybody that works at Catholic Charities and all the different programs to be aware of behavioral health services and what's available so that we can make them available and clients throughout the organization will have access. And right now, not everybody does know. So. Well, and that's a great point because when you are referring people from one program to another and people are asking, oh, can they offer this program or that, this service, you know, you're right. The awareness is so important in an organization as big as ours with 1,200 employees, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and, and along those lines, I, I know another goal is to, to meet clients where they are, right? To, to get to know someone well enough, you know, so that you can identify uh, the root causes of maybe their concerns and, and uh, figure out the best way to start Always. the healing process, yes. right? Yes. And so, Hector, when, when people come to Catholic Charities, you know, is there one main office they come to for counseling program or, or what, what can you offer them in terms of availability of, of sessions, of meeting with someone to speak with them? We, most, most of our programs are located at uh, an office on the near west side around Roosevelt and Ogden. However, mo our staff are also deployed to different satellite offices throughout Cook and Lake. I believe we're in a total of eight uh, different sites where um, we can offer those services and again, virtually as well. 
And so clients can have a choice of, of how they receive the services. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, yes. great. And and you've mentioned to me um, before, Hector, I find it so fascinating, you know, that, that oftentimes you try to assist people if you're if you see that they have been through an, a you know very difficult experience, either one very difficult traumatic experience or numerous ones, that there's actually a, a therapy called trauma-informed therapy that you use to try to alleviate those concerns. Can you talk about what that is and, and how it helps people uh, recover from a trauma and, and move on to the future? Sure. It's really more about trauma-informed practices. So all of our staff, all of us and our staff are uh, trained and continually trained on trauma-informed practices. What that means is that we... Uh, essentially acknowledge that that everyone that most of our clients may have or have experienced a trauma so what what that also means is that they can easily become triggered their feelings their thoughts become triggered which then lead to action which could lead to uh, negative consequences so for us it's establishing the journey through therapy through this trauma lens so that someone like we talked about before can feel safe and um, trust their therapist through the process so it starts from the very beginning at the intake call to the moment that we finish services, that we're looking at their trauma experiences and how that journey can be impacted by um, by the therapy process. But that's where your skill and your experience is so critical because um, the average person wouldn't know, you know, those those steps to helping someone acknowledge a trauma and then and then move through it. And so again, there's Catholic Charities and so many clients across Cook and Lake County, 2,400 last year, we said, um, they're so fortunate to have both of you and your colleagues um, helping them recover cover and, and um, you know, try to get to a healthier place in their lives. I know also that you, you both of you have mentioned to me that uh, one of the big focuses of behavioral health services this year has been expanding your reach in schools across Cook and Lake County, that more schools, s- students uh, have been reaching out to their parents who've been reaching out to Catholic charities, but you've also had administrators and, and counselors, right, at schools reach out. We so do, how, yeah. how has that expanded this year in, in that program area for Catholic charities this year? This year we are at 18 CPS schools. Wow. We are also at um, two charter schools and we are at some Title I schools. That's seven, I believe. There's and so when you, mention, when you mention that you're there, that means Catholic Teresa has an ongoing regular presence in the yes. school because there's that many students who need assistance. Yes, and that helps also tear down barriers because they're, on, they're already at school. So then the counselor is there and they can, the school supports them in getting the services that they need during the school day. And can you explain what some of the concerns are that these students are yeah. experiencing? Yes. Um, people are still experiencing effects, the kids, from, um, of the pandemic. There's a lot of anxiety that we're seeing. And then as Hector has talked about, trauma and community violence. Those are the, a lot of the, the main focuses that we see when we're working with the kids in schools. And so what are some of the ways, you know, Hector, that you're able to help alleviate those concerns, anxiety, you know, and and traumatic memories of of violence that they've experienced? So that's uh, like you brought before, that we are trained in evidence-based practices that um, target those diagnosis or those those issues that uh, difficulties that clients are experiencing. Um, for example, trauma-focused um, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a big one that most of our staff, a lot of our staff are trained in. 
And as you said, by, by actually being having a presence in the school, um, the students might be a little bit more open to sharing what they're going through because they're, you know, they're in their uh, comfortable zone of being amongst their peers. And, and maybe it's a little more difficult to talk about these things once you get home. Yeah, and I think it also makes it easier for parents to take some stress off of them of having to get them to an appointment after the school day and after a work day for the parents. That's a great point as well. And so you're trying to help the students feel comfortable at school, uh, eager to learn, and eager to engage in the school day, the entire school day, right? Because sometimes that that was been a problem alone, that the students had begin, become so comfortable with being at home all the time that they, they didn't know how to stay in school all day, right? Mm-hmm. So it's wonderful that you've been able to um, help them move past that. Um, you know, uh, and before we run out of time here, can you just share some of the most challenging aspects of your work and some of the most rewarding that you've experienced over your long careers at Catholic Charities. Sure. Pam, can I start with you? Absolutely. I Change is constant. <laughs> so change is can be challenging, but it is also a great reward because it also leads to evolution and the ability to do more to meet our clients' needs. So that, by far, I would say is two sides of the same coin. Beautifully said. <laughs> Beautifully said. How about you, Hector? I think one of the biggest challenges that um, our staff experience and, and myself over is, is um, secondary traumatization, is listening, um, working with clients who are uh, traumatized, and um, that being kind of our number one focus all the time can have an effect on us. But I think what's been great about working at Catholic Charities is that we've been able to establish um, put things into place to help our staff and ourselves to be able to work through through those um, through those issues so that we can become more effective therapists and I think the other thing is just like I mentioned before I think the joy that our that our clients bring um, and our colleagues have been great that that's been okay. another great thing for working at Catholic Charities such inspiring supervisors and leaders and learned not just from our clients mm-hmm. but so many of our colleagues are you able to be a support network for each other? Because uh, oftentimes I'm guessing when you're meeting one-on-one with a client, you know, there's, there's um, a lot of emotion on the table. There's a lot of pain on the table. Mm-hmm. And so are you able to meet as a group? And, and even if you never mention clients' names, at least you're able to share experiences and learn from each other as well? Is there oh, regular, yes. r- regular opportunities to do that? Absolutely. Yes. Team support is something that I think in both parts of our previous mm-hmm. programs, and now we have brought to the merged behavioral health, that's just such a important component that we value very much and want to provide for our staff. Mm-hmm. And you also tap into professionals in Chicago, right, and mm-hmm. mental health professionals um, at different hospitals and different clinics, right? Aren't they sometimes advisors or sometimes, um, you know, don't you call on them to weigh in on a particular situation to just get an, an extra point of view? We yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that's, you know, you've got some world-class hospitals in the city of Chicago, and so I'm sure that some of those therapists and psychiatrists have been wonderful sources of, of, you know, information and assistance as you're helping people. Yeah, partnerships are so important Mm -hmm. because there's so much need out there, and we can all do more together than any of us can do on our own. So those other institutions are really important to our being able to be successful. And and really, after you've been both with Catholic Charities uh, for so many years, are there things about the Catholic Charities or the, the message or the history that, like, I'm just curious, what's kept you with Catholic Charities all these years, Pam? Oh, all of the above. The mission, for sure, the clients, and great people to work with. I mean, it has all just been a, a blessing, truly. 
And how about you, Hector? Same. I need to echo Pam again. <laughs> um, it, the clients, the mission, and, and our colleagues. Beautifully said. Yeah. Um, and, and then before we run out of time today, you know, I just wonder if there's anyone in our audience who is struck, struggling emotionally or psychologically um, and doesn't really know how to reach out for help or is, is you know, uh, reluctant to do so, what would you say to them? Can I ask you to each speak to those people in the audience today? Pam, you first. Sure. I would say give us a call. Our intake number is 312-655-7725. Call us and cost should be secondary. If you need help and you need support, call us and we will figure out a way to help get you the services and the support that you need. Thank you so much, Pam. How about you, Hector? I think the number one thing is asking for help. So reaching out to trusted friends and family um, and telling them that you're really struggling with something to help to assist you through that process to get help. And are there any general healthy habits in, in a short time we have left uh, that you'd share with everybody to, to try to remain healthy themselves? Uh, yeah, you know, our, our mental health is connected to our bodies, so be good to your body as much as you can. Um, everything in moderation, um, healthy eating, good sleeping, um, moderate sweets for those of us who like sweets. <laughs> um, they're all, they're all connected, aren't they? Yeah. Every aspect of our health is connected. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Well, Pam and Hector, I truly, genuinely have tremendous respect for the work that you do every day. Catholic Charities is so fortunate to have you both continuing to lead the behavioral health services in such significant ways. Thank you for being on the show today and helping us all better understand how addressing mental health concerns can have a positive impact in every other part of someone's life. We look forward to having you back on the show as continued updates happen in your service area. Thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. And we invite all of you back again next week for another edition of The Voice of Charity. For now, this is Katie Breedeman, and we thank you for tuning in and believing in the mission of Catholic Charities.